Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I am your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand, and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week, we have thought leaders, change instigators, and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive, and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love, and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning connection and resilience into your life and your business. As a way to thank our guests for their time, energy and wisdom, we would love to demonstrate our appreciation, gratitude and admiration. We would love to hear from you as to what was your key takeout from today's session by writing a review in Apple Podcast with our guest's name and insight. And when you do, Please make sure to take a photo and send your photo to support at katherineplano.com.au and you will receive a one-hour life coaching session for free, valued $500, to help you change your life for the better or to help you get unstuck if you are currently going through a transition or if you need a little motivation. Thank you. This week, as always, we have a super, super, super amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Dr. Maya Shitrit. Dr. Maya is a neurologist, herbalist, urban farmer, and author of The Dirt Cure, where she reveals the shocking contents of children's food, how it's seriously harming their bodies and brains, and what you can do about it. Dr. Maya's current work started when her seven-year-old son had a seizure. At the time of her son's crisis, she knew that focusing on his physical body wasn't the answer. It was something that seemed far more intangible. It was his energy body that needed help. It was his spirit. It was his soul. Dr. Meyer realized that this was exactly what had been missing all along in her training and traveled all over the world and learned from plants, teachers, elders, and indigenous communities from Ecuador, Mexico, Australia, and Africa. And while she still, and probably forever will, love to geek out over the brain and mitochondria and science, her specialty is showing sensitive, empathic people how to heal, how to care for themselves, and how to recognize and hone their gifts. She has been featured in the New York Times, The Telegraph, Sky News, Dr. Oz Show, and is the founder of the Terrain Institute, where she teaches terrain medicine, earth-based programs for transformational healing. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today I'm super excited about our guest. We've got the beautiful Dr. Maya Sheetrit. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. 
Oh, no, I'm excited. And for our listeners, I was just explaining to Dr. Mayer that I've been watching Gaia TV and uh, has have been watching her on Psychedelica, which is an amazing show, by the way. That would have been fun. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun to record. Mm. So the way that we love to start the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So Dr. Mayer, tell us what inspired you to do what you do today? <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, I guess that depends on how we think about what I do. I mean, so I'm a physician and I'm an herbalist and uh, I am an astrologer and I work with indigenous communities and uh, plants. So I do a wide array of things and my journey is kind of a, a little bit circuitous and I always encourage people to embrace their circuitous stories and all of the parts of their identity, um, because I think sometimes being put in the box of just one thing is uh, very limiting, and we end up losing a lot of our gifts when we don't allow ourselves to kind of incorporate all the different complex parts of ourselves. But my story was really um, that I was interested in going to medical school because I saw a I saw a special, um, an interview special with someone called Bill Moyers, who uh, used to do these incredible interviews, and it was called Healing and the Mind. And I was, uh, I think, in college at the time, and they talked about this story where this young girl had lupus, and she was taking lupus meds to keep her autoimmune condition under control, but the meds were making her kidneys toxic, and so it was they, the medication was poisoning her at the same time. So they gave her castor oil for a while every time they would give her her medication. And eventually they stopped giving her the medication, just gave her the castor oil with no medication, but her body responded as if she was still getting the medication, but without any toxicity to her kidneys. And I was like blown away and thought, wow, this is what I want to do. And they said, well, this is called um, psychoneuroimmunology. And I thought, great, I'm going to go to medical school and I am going to become a psychoneuroimmunologist. And I'm um, at the time I was an English major, but I wrote this great essay about this topic. And somehow they let me into medical school. Not sure how. <laughs> and, um, and I went to medical school. And of course, in medical school, I had I got married and I had three kids and it was, you know, it's very, very, very intense, very busy throughout my training. And I ended up becoming a pediatric neurologist because I thought that's how I'm going to be able to do this psychoneuroimmunology. But I also kind of got distracted from that because I was so busy. And at the end of that time, my one-year-old, as I was getting ready to kind of emerge into my professional life from my training, my one-year-old got sick and, um, he had asthma or what looked like asthma. And it was a whole sort of mystery story. And my book, The Dirt Cure, was sort of about that story and what I discovered and how I helped kids for a very long time using some of the principles of, of getting close to nature and eating fresh food from healthy soil and being exposed to germs. Um, but that took me on a whole journey back to looking at the power of nature as and the power of the mind and the power of the spirit in how we heal. And um, so that journey has been a really interesting one that's taken me to work with indigenous communities. It's taken me to the jungle of Ecuador. 
It's taken me to plant ceremonies. It's taken me into all different kinds of really fascinating science of psychedelics um, and, and just working in uh, the Terrain Institute, which is what I eventually uh, founded and trained people to really go uh, to find their, their gifts and give themselves permission to be kind of the multidimensional humans that they're here to be. Oh, we could go in so many directions here. I've got so many questions that have bubbled up. So I'm curious, first of all, is more around the Terrain Institute. How, um, well, I guess what would be the process? Because you were talking about tapping into your gifts. What, what exactly do you uh, offer at the Terrain Institute? So in the Terrain Institute, we have a lot of programs on like herbal medicine, on psychedelics, on the science and the sacred. And that's really where I spend a lot of my time with one foot in each world, so to speak. But our flagship program is the She Treat Certification, which is really helping people to become heart-led leaders. I feel that we are in a period of time where... Uh, people are being called to step up. Like we always think that someone's going to come and tell us how to fix the world's problems. And so many people are feeling so frustrated and so discouraged um, and so hopeless. But really what I've seen as I've trained people through this program is that we have many of the answers within us. And a lot of what a lot of how we've been socialized and conditioned is to really not listen to our inner voice, but to uh, more do what society expects of us and shut down our intuition, shut down that um, kind of that process of being guided, or at least we get a lot of negative feedback around that. So for many, many people, especially women, but not just women, um, you know, people feel afraid to kind of talk about how they feel guided or what their kind of inner knowing is. And um, so part of what I do is bring people through giving them just permission to re-engage with their intuition and with their inner guidance and with their dreams and with um, how to kind of heighten their sensitivity and connect with their ancestors and connect with um, the spiritual world, the invisible world around us. And I do it with science and also with sacred tradition and a lot of experiential practice. So with the, uh, I guess, the ceremonies that you talk about, is, is this including psychedelics when you're taking through? Because I know we've had quite a, a few people on the show where they've shared their experiences with plant medicine, how it's been quite profound. Mind you, there's been others that also have said they'll never do it again. Um, but is that using psychedelics to tap into that, inner guide that you speak about? Well, so, I mean, I think that psychedelics are definitely one way to do that. Absolutely. But it isn't necessary. So the way that I take people through it, and this is, of course, partly because, first of all, psychedelics are not legal in a lot of places, you know, and so that's not something that a lot of people would be comfortable doing um, for that reason. For another reason, it's because I actually don't think that psychedelics are necessary for being able to tap into that inner knowing. But I do think that for some people, it helps clear away or at least open windows and doors and sort of portals to help people see where they're getting in their own way 
and do and then to do their work. So one of the things that I do in my personal work and my coaching work is I coach people through microdosing because, um, you know, it's a lot of people think that psychedelics like psilocybin or ayahuasca or all of these, you know, combo or these things that have gotten very, very popular. Uh, they think that if they just take that medicine, then things are totally going to clear up for them and it's going to it's going to solve all the, a lot of their problems. And the reality is that um, it really is more about opening windows and opening doorways, but you then have to still decide to walk through those doorways. You know, you still have to clear the path for yourself. So, um, so it's a, you know, for me and part of what I teach in my psychedelics program, in fact, as well as in my certification is doing psychedelics. There's, if someone feels called to that, then, you know, I think it's definitely, there's a lot of great science and uh, tradition, very long and ancient tradition that supports uh, going down that road for the people who are called. But I always warn people that it's not necessarily going to provide all the answers and that actually the preparation before and the integration afterwards are equally, if not more important. Um, so I think that is definitely one avenue, and I'm definitely in support of people learning about that and engaging with that if they feel called in the right setting. But um, I don't think it's the only way. Mm, and I, I do, I do agree with you. I think that sometimes people go down that um, that path and trying whether it's ayahuasca or psychedelics purely because they think that they'll they will experience an ego death. And thus we'll be able to see clearly once they kind of get ego out of the way, um, how can they, like you were saying, to either stepping into those doorways or those portals as a way to uh, shift that consciousness and evolve as a human uh, and as a collective as well. Um, is that what you find people, people you know, are, ex are experiencing that or expecting that when they're actually going uh, through some of your programs? Um, I don't think when people come through my programs that they're necessarily in for an ego death experience, but um, it definitely is a, you know, the way that I take people through my program, my certification program is a little more gentle <laughs> than necessarily an ayahuasca journey. And for people who don't know how ayahuasca journeys can be, uh, while they can be very lovely for some people, many, many, many people find them very intense and challenging um, as well. So it's not, you know, the program that I do is a lot more held. You know, we have weekly calls and we're, we talk through things and, you know, there are lectures and there's, you know, I'll just say, I mean, I think I, there are a lot of ways, if we look at the neuroscience of even the neuroscience and the spiritual elements of something like ayahuasca, just as one example, or even psilocybin, what that does in the brain is it shuts off something called the default mode network, which is like the me network. So when you have not a microdose experience necessarily, but a macrodose, a macrodose meaning you're having the, the true psychedelic experience with like maybe the visions and, you know, the real alteration of consciousness, which is a little different than what happens in a microdose experience. Um, you know, you will experience some shutting down of you as you, right? You do become more part connected to 
the oneness, let's say. And that happens on a on a, the level of the nervous system. I mean, in other words, it is certain parts of the brain that are kind of shutting down for a period of time so that you can experience a very mystical, you know, and sort of, um, well, you experience the ego death, like you said. And that is definitely something that can happen for people. But uh, ceremony with plants does not have to always be something that has that level of fireworks and cannons shooting and that kind of thing. And I say that in the sense that, you know, a lot of people think it needs to be, that the plant needs to be a very loud plant. You know, psychedelics are very loud in the sense that, you know, when you consume a psychedelic in a, in a significant dose, you're going to experience a lot of very obvious, uh, strong kinds of, um, well, sensory shifts, right? Whereas maybe if you have cacao and you're a part of a cacao ceremony or you're part of a kava ceremony or you're part of a, a Tulsi ceremony. Um, and I've, I've done all of those, you know, I've, I've led those kinds of experiences. People can have just as transformative experiences. They are not the same, but they can be tremendously transformative just in a, in a less, sometimes in a less, um, flashy way. Does that make sense? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're saying that you don't really need to go through a, a massive, uh, you know, like a, a ceremony like the, with the plant of say ayahuasca that you can have it with other, as part of a ceremony with its, its cacao or whatever that may be. And it sounds like it's more more appealing, I'm sure, to myself and, and most others. It sounds a lot more gentle and and um, and not so dramatic because I think that from my understanding, and I don't know a lot about microdosing, but what I, I do know about it, it is a, a more gentle approach um, and it's a more um, a lasting, a sustainable approach. Is that correct? You know, I really love microdosing and I think I'm going to even start by saying I I offer, I think there are a lot of ways to engage with what I call master plants or teacher plants like ayahuasca, um, like San Pedro, like um, psilocybin. There are a lot of ways you can engage with those plants. Like I have necklaces and I actually have, I sell them even from the community in Peru that I, I love. You know, they make these beautiful necklaces from slices of ayahuasca and these special other seeds that are, you know, protection seeds called Wairudo seeds. So I'm a believer, like, if you want to be in relationship with one of these very strong and powerful plants, the first thing that you do is you don't consume the plant, you grow the plant, or you wear the plant, or you meditate with the plant, right? I mean, that there's all these ways to get to know a plant and a plant spirit before you go into the level of intimacy, right? And think about it, because the way that I think of plants as as my family and my friends and my community. So I, I, you know, work with plants in that way. And so I, I wouldn't just go diving into like another person necessarily at that level of intimacy. I would want to get to know each other first. And so I grow ayahuasca. I don't consume the ayahuasca that I grow. I simply grow her. Um, I wear an ayahuasca necklace sometimes and earrings. That's like a very special way I connect. I meditate with her. So there are ways in which I'm connecting with um, 
for example, ayahuasca, or I have actually many, many, many and people who follow me on Instagram will see that I sometimes in my stories will introduce my ayahuasca plant or my many um, 60 San Pedro cacti that I have also that I don't consume, but they are part of my landscape that I live in, in my home. Um, so these are ways that I think it's very possible to, this sort of a form of microdosing in a sense. But what I mean is that you, you're building intimacy, you're cultivating a relationship. Then something like microdosing might make sense, right? Because microdosing, what I find in microdosing with people who have done it is that, you know, it's basically done where you don't have any clear psychedelic experience. The point of microdosing, in fact, is that you can do your day and you're not altered in the sense that you're not seeing visions or, you know, disabled or debilitated in any way by having real alteration of consciousness, but you do experience a gentle alteration that creates shifts. And the shifts in my experience and what I've observed have been profound. And part of why I love coaching people through it is because because it's not fireworks and cannonballs, like I was saying, it's not that level of kind of um, psychedelic vision sort of, people sometimes can miss the profound shifts that are happening um, because they're in their day-to-day -day life. So what I do is I coach people through with phone calls or Zoom calls is that I help them see the places that are opening up and like these portals that are opening for them over the course of the microdosing experience, which is usually over a month or three months of time. So absolutely, it is far more gentle, but no less profound. Oh, I love that. I've never heard anyone explain it that way because it's true. When you think about it, you're, when, if you were to meet somebody, you want to get to know them, right? So I love the fact that you grow the plant, that you meditate with the plant because you're actually immersing yourself in the energy and the vibration of the plant. And that, that is how you're starting to form this relationship to then step into microdosing. Um, and then, so you could see that, that just, it's, a, it's a, just a net, natural, organic evolution between the, the, the two uh, energies combining together. It's beautiful. I've never heard anyone say it that way. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's really meaningful to do it that way. Mm, I love that. There's you talked about, especially in these times where people are looking, people are frustrated, people are looking for answers, and people are waiting to be saved. So I really love the fact that you you kind of um, alluded to it is up to us. Um, and I it just reminded me I was watching something just the other day from Alberto Villoldo. I never can say his name, but Alberto. I'm sure that's something mm -hmm. like that. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. But he was talking yes. about this shift in consciousness and that, and it's something that the shamans have been speaking about for many moons, about the new human, about this rise of the consciousness and the rise of the phoenix, that we must go through the process, trust the process to then be at that new level, the new human. Have you heard anything about that? Well, you know, I think that um, it was clear to me, and I think for many of us, you know, I, I know I'm not the only person that, um, you know, in, in the shamanic culture, and I've trained in that culture and that tradition for many, many years now, um, you know, there's an idea of initiation. And that is a common, a common I wouldn't say practice, but it's a common um, aspect of certainly the medicine people in any 
community in any indigenous or other community where there is initiatory experiences. And uh, part of what the initiatory experience is, is it is uh, something that catapults you out of your everyday life. So it takes you out of your everyday life, out of your normal routine, out of ordinary reality, and it takes you into um, a different plane. And what happens is that you can look back into, you know, you can look with more like an eagle, eagle view um, with a bigger vision and say, wait, was, was normal, was what I said was normal? Is that what I, was that what I needed? Was that even what I wanted? Is this the life I want to live? And I think that what's happened, you know, in the last uh, year and a half or a couple of years is is that we're, we were catapulted out of our normal everyday lives as a collective. Not This happens to people individually all the time, and those were the people who were often going through my certification because they had, you know, had a cancer diagnosis or they had lost a child or they had, right, like these incredibly uh, tr sometimes traumatic but profound experience, initiatory experiences. And... Um, and they looked at their lives and said, wait, who am I and what am I doing? And that is a kind of ego death that happens, both in traditional culture and in modern culture. Uh, but when it happens as a collective, it's it's certainly a certain calling of, of all humans to show up differently, to look at the way things have been going and to ask themselves as a collective, individually and as a collective, is this the world we want to live in? And um, there is a tremendous surrender involved, which we have all been going through, right? Like there are certain things that that we can't control that are happening, and um, a lot. And you're, we're seeing now the way people manage that that energy, the way they manage surrender, which as a as a collective in our modern society, we're very bad at because the concept of surrender is associated with being a loser right? It's like you're surrendering, you're not going to win versus surrendering, understanding that that is a kind of ego death, right? Like I can't do it all. I can't heal everybody. I can't fix everything. I can't make people see what they're not seeing, right? We all think we know the truth about X, Y, or Z and half the people think the opposite of what we think. <laughs> so it's, it's been very, I think it's been very profound and watching this awakening is it's hard on our hearts. I mean, for me, it's been hard on my heart and I've had to do a lot of very tender care of myself throughout the process. But I know that it is also taking us into, into this new reality um, if, we, if we choose it, right? If we decide to go there. And so when I say we're responsible, I mean, I don't think it's so simple. I think, but I also at the same time think it's, it's very simple. So I think there is that idea of we are the ones we've been waiting for. Everyone's like, where's our leader? Where's our leader? And the Terrain Institute is there to show everybody how there isn't just one leader. There's many, many leaders. And we all have to be, you know, all of us who are ready to step up in this new reality that we are entering into, right? And we're it's emerging. We're creating it. We're co-creating it. Um, I want people to have the tools so they're ready to, to take on the mantle of leadership, whatever that looks like. In other words, you don't have to be like 
you know, the president or like the mayor, but um, you it might just be something you do in your community just by literally being, I think being a medicine person is not about, you know, you don't have to be a, a trained medical professional or even a, you know, a healer. I think an artist can be a medicine person. I think a musician can be a medicine person. I think a teacher can be a medicine person. So I'm training and my certification, the medicine people who are going to play that very important and critical role of leading people through this period of initiation and surrender. Mm, oh, Dr. May, you brought up some beautiful um, pieces that I'd really like to unpack. You, When you talked about surrender, and I mean, it's interesting, everyone has a different meaning to what surrender means to them um i think well for me i know that i can't control what's been going on but i can control myself but it's a matter of letting go of the outcome i think it's like you know rather than yes it's been heavy on my heart too um and i think it's because you know you know there are many paradigms out there many truths what we deem as our truth and then you know and and obviously i could see that you know there'd be other people would be you know in a different truth and I, initially i saw, i saw it as a great divide but i feel like now it's a great awakening that is taking place a great awakening so I think that we need to break down the systems to break through. And you talked about medicine because I know that um, I study astrology. And in astrology, we're talking about this breakthrough medicine, which I think kind of links into what you were talking about at the start of the show about how all medication is poison and you fix up one problem, but then you create another. Um, maybe talk us through how we can uh, start taking back control of our own health through natural medicines. You talked about herbs and so forth. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that there can be a time and a place for conventional medicine. I don't think it's. I don't. I think that there are natural medicines that act as poisons, and that sometimes poisons actually, uh, at least in herbal medicine. Um, or even in homeopathy, that the that the poison can be the cure. So there's there's that aspect, and I also think that sometimes conventional medicine um, can play a role. Certainly, you know, if you know you're in a, a car accident or something like that, and you need surgery, then there's a time and a place for you know acute kind of heroic conventional medicine. Um, but in general, in my work, in my practice, in my family, in myself, I. I, I have conventional medical training. I trained in, you know, a conventional medical school. I went on to study pediatrics in a conventional setting. I went on to study uh, adult and pediatric neurology in a conventional setting. And then I went on to become also an herbalist. And also, as I said, an astrologer, I practice ancient astrology. Um, and also I've learned with shamans and indigenous elders for many years. So there's a lot that I incorporate into, into health because first of all, something, you know, I don't even think that conventional medicine really fully understands the physical body as well as they think they do. But in my paradigm uh, and the paradigm that in the lineage that I've learned, you have a physical body, you have an emotional body and you have a spiritual body. So you have to be in good relationship with each of those bodies in order to be healthy. And, and if you are physically sick, physical illness is like, 
basically very downstream. So for first your spiritual health and your emotional health matter and your physical health is sort of when you're not taking as good care of your emotional and spiritual health as you could be, which is sometimes because we just have no idea that that's even a thing or how to do it. It's not like people are just, you know, on purpose trying to neglect that part of themselves. Um, you know, most people don't have context for that, but that in, in my, you know, the lineage that I've learned, that's where you begin in the spiritual and the emotional. And what I love so much about using herbal medicine in particular, um, which can also include sometimes flower essences. It can also include homeopathy sometimes, but primarily, uh, herbal, herbal medicine, um, which means plants that are in a, plants that are in a kind of a more medical dose, like tinctures or capsules or teas or baths or poultices of herbs. And this is, these are things that I teach about in the Terrain Institute um, as well. You know, those are so profound in the way that they heal because they heal you not just physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. For example, um, something like I'm just going to give a, a general example, something like rose. So rose um, has certain astringent qualities, like you'll find rose in facial washes, for example, just as, you know, as one example, because it's very astringent and cleansing. Um, so it's wonderful um, and it's very calming, you know, so there's some nice ways you can use it in a physical in the physical plane, but rose is also profoundly healing for a broken heart. So I might have someone who's feeling depressed or gr grieving. I might give them, I might ask them to take a bath in rose petals. Um, I might ask them to drink rose hip tea, which by the way is dense with vitamin C. So, so wonderful, you know, in times where you want to support your immune system. So there's that kind of medicine as well. And then I might actually say to, um, take a, a rose, a rose syrup and put a drop on their tongue every day. And that is a very heart healing set of practices that can bring people out of depression, can bring people out of grief or through grief, I would say, um, and, and can bring people into a place of, of joy. So just, just the way that these flowers and these medicines and, you know, even essential oils all can kind of work together. And there is actually very robust science to support a lot of this, as well as, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of tradition. Um, so really we're healing ourselves with, with plants and with herbal medicine, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And to me, that is where it's at. Oh, I love that. And I love the fact that you, you can go with, um, it can be, cause it, to me, you're healing from a vibrational frequency. So it's, it's almost like for those that are, you know, sensitive, I know for me, I'm ultra sensitive, even homeopathy. Sometimes I've gone to, uh, my natural therapist and I've had to you know um, 
uh, decrease the amount because it's it's very powerful. It's so powerful. But I even love the, the fact that it could be as simple as a rose bath or some essential oils. It's beautiful. And I think what you're talking about, and it's something that I've been speaking about the last couple of months, is psychosomatic. So when it hits the physical body, it's looking into, you know, when you're working with these or you're talking about plant medicines and so forth, you're actually getting to the root cause as to where did this come from. And it could be, you know, whether it's, um, you know, uh, DNA, where it's been passed down. And I know that when we talk about DNA, there's epigenetics. So it depends on uh, whether it's up to us. It might be as part of our uh, genetics, but it's up to us that we activate it depending on, I guess, the thought patterns. It could be as simple as, um, I don't have strong boundaries and then, you know, add a bit of, infuse that with enough emotion, it gets into my body until I, you know, I, I, it's in my physical, it's in my face then and then I have to do the deep work. So I love the fact they kind of weave in the, the physical, the mental, emotional and spiritual. What I'd love to hear a little bit more about is when you talk about your the Terrain Institute, when you're talking about the leaders, you have to lead from within. What are some of those tools for those that are listening and that would like to join the Terrain Institute? What are they to expect out of the program? So in other words, as a leader, what, are, what would I walk away with, with these tools that you speak about? Yeah, I love that you asked that. And so one of the really interesting things that everyone who has, um, who has gone through the Terrain Institute has experienced is um, they've all felt called to be there. And, um, and I am going to answer your question, but I'm saying this because it's been a really interesting experience where everyone seems to get exactly what they need. And people always say that. So people during the Terrain Institute program, during their certification, have changed careers. They've changed relationships. They've moved. They've left toxic jobs. They've, they've had profound, profound uh, transitions and transformations that they never thought that they would have the, the courage to do, I think, or, you know, it's sort of this idea of like, what do we think about doing in our wildest dreams or, you know, in our kind of secret, in our secret, most secret places, um, making those things more accessible. And the way, I think one of the biggest things that I do um, in holding space for people to do that is actually giving people permission through a lot of different kinds of exercises and lectures and other things, but really through um, through experiential um, practices to trust themselves. And, um, and then over the course of the certification, they, you know, I teach them things about, you know, how to communicate their mission and um, so they know how to tune in. They know how to do their own healing work, their own shadow work. Um, they know how to become more sensitive they, in terms of, and to trust their sensitivity. In other words, um, you know, rather than we do a lot of practices on how to, how to listen to the world around you. So there are practices in sitting in nature. What are you noticing? Right. And we do all different kinds of things with that. Um, becoming friends with a particular place. So learning how to be um, to be connected to the invisible world and feel that level of support that I think a lot of people don't realize is there. You know, we we feel like we have to do everything on our own. And I think one of the big teachings of the Terrain Institute and the certification is that you're not alone at all. 
you're, you're supported by your ancestors, you're supported by the invisible world, and you can ask for help. Oh, I love that. And so this, this it doesn't matter where you are in the world, anyone can sign up to do this program because I know you've got one starting up in October. Um, so it can be anyone from anyone over the, uh, across the globe, whether you're based in Australia, in Europe or uh, the US, is that correct? Absolutely. We've had people in countries from all over the world and part of the goal at the end of the full certification is that people can then start their own circles and their own communities um, as as leaders and actually start to teach some of these, uh, lead people through these experiences, these kinds of experiences. Um, so once people have trained with me through the full certification, um, we list, we're listing them on our website and we're helping them and giving them the tools to be able to begin to bring some of these practices to their own communities so that people start to tune in because from from my standpoint our biggest i think one of the biggest shifts that we need in our society right now is reverence so from my standpoint the more that i can bring reverence a sense of reverence and wonder and awe and gratitude into the world the more we are going to interact better with ourselves, with those around us, with all living beings, with mother nature, with the invisible world. When we have that sense of reverence, we, I think we are in a place of, of healing. And um, so it seems like our leaders are not too interested in that, but I think many, many, many people who are right now ordinary citizens are interested in that. That is what we want. And so what I want is for people who are rising leaders or ordinary citizens to become ready to lead their own circles and bring that sense of reverence into their communities and and be in a, a position of leadership to guide people through that process. Because I think that is what is going to be a really important element of our healing process as a collective. I so agree. And you can start, you can already see that, Dr. May. You can already see people are starting to, uh, as a collective, create. There's lots of different groups that are working together now to bring light, you know, and, and lift the, the, the consciousness as a whole, um, whether it's through meditation, whether it's, you know, through different, um, you know, I guess different uh, mediums and, and methodologies. But I do love uh, what you offer. And how long is the program for, for our listeners? If they come and join the Terrain Institute, um, you know, how, how much time would they have to invest on a, on a weekly basis and how long does it go for? Yeah, so our level one program is uh, a six-month program and um, it is as much really as much or as little time as they want, I'll say, kind of on average because we do have, um, they have lectures, you know, that are a few lectures a month. And then there are practices and meditations that they can do. Um, and then we have, we have um, calls. And people are not required, you know, many people just listen to the calls after if it's not at a good time for them or things like that. But we do have live calls. Um, and for some people, that's incredible. And they want to be in that community. And they want to have that transformational kind of time together. 
And for other people, that's just not for them. For some people, they do a meditation, you know, they do the meditation, they repeat it every day um, for their full module. And for some people, they do it once and they're like, wow, that was incredible. So people can go um, as kind of superficially or as deep as they want to, and I think still get as much as they need to get out of it. Um, so, and there are a few assignments over the course of the time, but they're not like assignments that are right or wrong, or you get a hundred on They're Again, they're experiential. So, um, most people in the certification have other jobs that they do. This is not meant to be a full-time experience by any stretch. It's meant to be something you can integrate into your life. If you are, you know, we've had everyone from very young people just starting out in their careers to that are in their twenties to people in their eighties who are retired to, um, you know, working moms and kind of everyone in between. So we've had, we've had the whole array of people and, um, and, and they, they do great. They really do great. I mean, I'm a busy person, so I try to keep that in mind in everything that I bring, because I want people to get the maximum out of, you know, the time that they invest. Um, so that is, yeah, so that's the way that the certification goes. Cool. Thank you for that. We'll have the information in the show notes. Dr. May, I'm really curious. You've had a very adventurous life. What has been your greatest lesson learned thus far? <laughs> um, you know, I think for me, the, um, the biggest lesson, especially as a doctor and a healer, someone trained in that tradition, has been um, that, you know, it's that it's my job is to is to bring whatever my gifts are, but but the right people will find it, and you can only you can only bring your gifts, and then people have to be ready for them. So I think the big lesson is, you know, it's not our job to fix everybody or to heal everybody. It's our job to shine as brightly as we can in our most authentic selves, and vibrationally speaking, right, through that electromagnetic field of the heart, through that bio field that we live in, um, we will influence the people around us simply in the way that we comport ourselves in the world. I love that. I've got a very big, uh, um, I'm a visual person, so I've got this uh, this vision of a bright light you shine from within and therefore and thus you'll, you'll affect your, your environment and so forth. So I do love that. It's, it's, it's one of those things, I don't know about you, but I think that, you know, sometimes it, you have to be, I mean, I don't, you know, listen to the news or watch the news or anything like that, but it is one of those things that you have to be conscious at doing that. Do you find that sometimes you get caught up in things and you're like, oh, where was I just now? And, and you have to bring it back to, to kind of center yourself or do you have a specific trick on how you remain in your center? That absolutely happens to me and I think it happens to everybody and anyone who says it never happens to them is well, probably lying, <laughs> either to themselves or to you. I mean, I think, you know, that's the, that's the trick of being human, right? Is that we're these spiritual beings, but we're living in these human bodies and this human world. And so um, the whole experience is, is that we have to remember who we really, really are, these spirit souls who are eternal, living in these physical bodies and in the physical body, we're going to get distracted. We're going to, you know, we're going to get caught up in the flood, the flood of information, the flood of emotion, the flood of, you know, all these different distractions around us. And, and then we have to always have our tools 
to bring ourselves back into our center. And of course I do have tools. And actually that is a big part of the experience of the, of the certification, but, but it comes from, I never, I never teach anything that I haven't had to experience myself. So, um, for me, these are, these are practices that I'm returning to again and again and again in my life. Yeah, and I, I think that people would, if you haven't experienced what you teach, people will pick up on it. And I think it's more profound when you've actually physically experienced it yourself. And I think that to be authentic is to say, I talk about being in your center all the time, but I know when I'm not in my center, you know, if I get triggered by anything, I'm like, oh, where am I right now? And most of the time when I'm actually asking myself that question, I'm out of my center. I'm, I'm buying into somebody's narrative or a narrative and uh, completely pulled out of my center. And so just making that conscious uh, effort of asking that question, where am I, um, to bring it back in the center, I can't tell you the difference it makes when I'm like, oh, I don't have to buy into these narratives. These are not mine mm-hmm. or, what, or even emotion. This is, this is, this is not mine. And uh, just by deflecting it in that way can really bring some peace and calm into my physical existence. So yeah. I, I love it. Go on. No, I was just going to say that I think that those kinds of trigger moments are actually such great spotlights on things we need to pay attention to in ourselves. So it's like, you get that, you know, you see that narrative, you take that moment, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm feeling so agitated or I'm feeling so dysregulated. I'm not in my center. And you notice that, that, that noticing is the medicine, right? You're noticing a place that needs attention and, and you're giving it attention. And that is the whole, the whole purpose, the whole process. Mm, I love that. So that noticing, that awareness, it is the medicine. I totally agree because you know what? Once you see it, it's hard to unsee it. That's how yes. I see it, yeah. So Dr. May, as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you, my dearest? Oh, one word? <laughs> You can have as many, but one, yeah. If, if you had to en- encapsulate, Dr. Mayer, what comes to mind? Um, I would say, I would say um, bridge because for me it's really about bridging, you know, the material, physical world and the spiritual and the sacred um, or even the science and the sacred. So I think it's that that feeling of um, you know interconnectedness, interrelatedness, and and that you know I sort of have my arms wide across, um, and and just being in that multi-dimensional space. Oh, we've never had bridge. That's beautiful and very authentic. Love it. Absolutely love it. And then the last question for you, my dearest, is we always love to ask our woman of inspiration is to share three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. Now, they can be three practical exercises for our audience. So one of the one of the nuggets I would share would be uh, to bathe in nature because it's a actually from even a scientific standpoint, there is nothing that does as many things for your physical, your emotional, and your spiritual body as as something like forest bathing. You sleep better, you have better attention, you have better focus, you feel subjectively happier, your cortisol levels drop, your cancer 
um, protection of your body increases all from bathing in nature. So that's one. Another one, um, which is one of my mottos, one of my practices is make bad art. And I know that sounds weird, um, but it's a little bit of a pattern interruption, right? Because we all think we have to be perfectionists and we all think that we have to be doing things that are good and perfect and, you know, otherwise it's not even worth it. So I do a practice, which is make bad art and I have paint, but I've never learned how to paint. And I just have paper and paint, paint brushes. And I get up in the morning sometimes and I just paint for a little while. And actually, sometimes I actually make really good art, but that's not the goal. The goal is just to kind of transmit and step outside of ordinary time and let my creative self express itself. So that is a practice that I recommend to anybody. And it doesn't have to be painting. It can look a lot of different ways. It can be singing. It can be drawing. It can be whatever you want, whatever cre creative practice. Make bad art. And the last one is to worry less about being right and tune in more to what's right for you. So that kind of goes to what we were just talking about, actually, which is um, that stepping outside for a moment, right? Be noticing and remembering who we really are and not getting caught up in the flood, getting caught up in the narrative, but really making a practice of um, using our attention, which is a which is a, a currency, right? It's one of our, it's valuable. Um, so to use our attention to not do what we think is right, but what is right for us. Oh, I resonate with all three. I love the make bad art. I was really curious about that. As soon as you said it, I was like, where, what does that actually mean? But I do love that. It's actually letting go of that perfectionism and just have fun. Because as a child, when you go in to do a piece of art or sing, you don't, you, you don't think about, you know, it's, it's what my husband and I actually talked about, you know, a do, uh, for example, a dog. When a dog barks, it doesn't say, oh, was that too loud? Or did I sound okay? Or, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, they just do it. And so it's that same concept of make bad art or the children, how they approach things with just having fun. Oh, and I love that. That is all. That is awesome. But obviously, that's got that does something to the right side of the brain as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just being adventurous and also letting things transmit through you, right? Not being in that cerebral judging place, but instead, kind of letting the your intuitive, um, creative self just blossom and without any without any restrictions. Mm, I love it. So Dr. May, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Um, the best place is to go to my website at drmaya.com, D-R-M-A-Y-A.com, because there I have a lot of free resources. I have different downloads and meditations and earth-based practices um, and information. So it's a great place for free resources. And they can, of course, find out about my book. The Dirt Cure, and also all of my programs as well. Thank you so much. We'll have that in the show notes. Dr. Mayer, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I was very excited that um, we were going to connect today and for sharing your wealth of wisdom. And I'm sure our listeners are going to reach out and uh, definitely uh, I'm curious about the Terrain Inst Institute myself. So uh, if we'll have that also in the show notes for our listeners, if they want to join the program in October. So thank you once again for your time and your energy. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. 
thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. Or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit that subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katrinplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Catherine Plano. Until next week, please take care of yourself. Much love and gratitude. Thank you.